I really want God to speak to us today. And if you have your Bible, as Deacon Kyle alluded to, we're going to be in Revelation. And I thank God for his revelation. You know, there's no S at the end because he gave one revelation. He gave one appeal to show us what is to come. And through this time of the divine experiment, I I, I, I wonder how many of you have been truly broken before the Lord. Because the, the challenge is not for you to tell somebody you're broken. The challenge is for you to tell God, here I am. I'm broken. The Bible tells us how God is near the brokenhearted. And he heals them. We look in Jeremiah. We look in the prophet of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a troubling book to me. Because he's calling for them to repent. But yet he calls out to the northern kingdom, Israel. If you do your study, you might know that Israel is no more. But yet he says something that, that, that woke me up. He said, Israel, if you, did, if you do repent, will I not heal you? Israel's no more, but God is saying, but if you do turn back to me, will I not heal you? So my question is to you, how bad does it have to get for you to turn back to your God? Do you need to have desolation, destruction come for you to find out that God, I was wrong all along? Or do you hear his call now and come back? Some of you say, well, I'm not that bad. Some of you are just too righteous for your own good. And that is keeping you away from God. I, 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 read, I read this book my friend gave to me called The Prodigal God. If you have not read that book, I challenge you to read it. If you can't buy it, I'll buy it for you. I challenge you to read it. I read that book on one day. A little small book, about 127 pages. But it woke me up about the elder and the younger brother. The younger brother we know very well who went and wasted everything. But it comes back redeemed. The older brother, we don't talk about very much, but many times that's us. We are righteous. We are holy. We think we're doing everything right while we're in the father's house. Telling everybody how good we are. But we still have rejected the father. Both sons rejected their father. Both sons rejected their father. They didn't want him. They wanted what he had. As I look at my father, many times I rejected my dad. I did not want him, but I wanted what he had. I don't want you, dad, but give me the car. Let me watch TV. Give me the money in your wallet. I'll go with you as long as you give me what's in your wallet. I didn't want to spend time with him. But as I mature, as I grew, I said, Father, I really wanted you. I could care less about a car, about a house, about a TV. I want you. But how bad does it have to get for me to catch on? I'm glad he's still here that I realize that now. God is letting us know that I'm right here. It doesn't have to get that bad for you to find out. I'm right here. so we need to really search our hearts. If you say, I have nothing to repent for, then you need to repent for that reason. Everyone should be repentant. What was his message? What was Christ's message? How did the gospel say his message was? It says, repent for the kingdom of God. If you have not repented, then how have you received the message? get to the text. I talked to my friend. He shared me something I, I missed before, talking about Moses was out there in the wilderness with the sheep around the mountain. He's been around that mountain many times, been out there with the sheep many times, but nobody knows what was in his head, what was in his mind, what was he thinking. But he saw a burning bush. And when he got near to the burning bush, the burning bush says, take all your sandals for your unholy ground. I know all that. I know all that. 
my friend said this to me. He said, but he had to take something off to be in his presence. And when he said that, it hit me. Have I taken anything off to be in his presence? Or have I still walked in front of him and acted like everything's all right? Many times we walk in here and we have not taken anything off. We walk in acting like we're holy, acting like we're righteous in the face of God. But as you can look in Ezekiel, God let them know that you are pushing my presence away. Zion, my challenge for us today to grab this, that are we pushing God away and letting the world come in? Or are we truly being the light of the world, drawing lost in and pushing the world away? Because I'm telling you this, that as soon as the church stops reflecting the cross, we have ceased being the church. As soon as the message has ceased being Christ, and him crucified and rose again, we have ceased preaching the message. Christ is the message and the messenger. Christ is the lesson and the teacher. We need to make sure it's all about him. I know we feel good about wealth and health and prosperity and my season doesn't come, but truly the season has come that you truly reap what you sow. This is what hit me. Has anybody ever planted a garden? Or if you haven't planned to go, if you just have grass, do you notice how your weeds grow close, grow faster than what you plant? I'm going to grab this. What destroys grows faster, stronger, and bigger. And that's what we have in our lives. Many times we let the enemy come in because it grows faster, because it grows quicker. We want that. And it sticks out, does it not? You could tell a, 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 a lawn overran with down because it sticks out. And many times in our own lives, we have, are allowed to sin in our lives just to stick out. But we have turned a blind eye to it. We have come accustomed to seeing it so much so that we just let it stay there. We don't pull it out, but we just let it stay there. And then you know what a dandelion does? It spreads. It spreads. And then when it, your yard really gets bad, now you've got to do extra work just to get it back. How bad does it have to get? Jesus writes this letter to the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2nd chapter. You with me? Say amen. amen. If you still traveling, say hold on. I'll hold on. I want you there. Word says, if you're not there, still say, hold on. All right. Revelation in the back, second chapter, looking at one of the seven letters to the seven churches. This one's to the church of Ephesus. I read from the New Living Translation. The word of God says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say that they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other's as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. 
But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. I'm going to read this again from the New American Standard Version. The Word of God says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lamps, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false, and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yes, this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. I will grant to eat the tree of the life, which is in the paradise of God. If you can help me announce this to your neighbor, say, come back. Look to your other neighbor, tell them, come back. I'm not going to try to be before you long. I'm just going to try to do how we need to remember, repent, return and redo and reestablish. First, I want to point out to you that Jesus called us to remember our first love. My father and I was fellowshipping just before service and just in prayer and just thanking God just for his grace and his mercy. And, and the Holy Spirit reminded him of a song of Andre Crouch, Take Me Back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the hour I first believed you, to the joy of my salvation. Another song came to my mind. Would he remind me of that? It's at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. But yet, after those times, look how we stray away. Our flame is no longer blazing, but now it has become dim and weak. I want you to catch it. He says, unless the church of Ephesus repents, he says, I will remove your lamp. I will blow out your light. I want you to catch this. If you have not studied Revelation, first and foremost, there's a promise to those who read this letter. So if you have not read it, then you need to read it so you can receive this promise. Then, secondly, he points out that Jesus says, I walk among you. Somebody missed that. He's walking among the seven churches. He's walking among the lampstand. And what are lamps for? To shed light. Follow me here. When you are reading a book, you get close to the light so you can have light on the subject. Follow me here. Jesus is the subject. And the light should be showing light on the subject. But if you are not showing light on me, I will remove you because I have no use for you. Let me help somebody out. What you mean he's going to remove me? Uh, Moses, Moses, come here, Moses, come here, Moses. Uh, Moses, I'm calling you to lead the children into the promised land. All right, God, uh, I can't do this. I can't talk. Did I not make your form, your mouth, your tongue? But that's all right. You got a brother. He talks very well. Use him. Lord, I have nothing. What do you have in your hand? That's enough. Okay, God, I have no more excuses. I'm going to be used. Amen. Let's go. Now he's being used by God, taking the people. Then God gives them one commandment. Have me first. They broke that commandment. They were removed. That went over somebody said, let me slow it down. They were removed from his presence. He was not going to use them to be a light for another generation because their light has dimmed. They turned to a golden calf. I'm going to point this out to you. They messed up just one time. 
and once was enough. Okay. Moses has his people, let's go. Moses speaks to the rock, water comes out. All right, God, I'm, I'm, I'm obeying you. People get on his last nerves. Moses, you going to give us water? God, speak to the rock. Okay, boom, boom, there's a the water, people. God, Moses, you're not going. You did not reflect me. You did not obey me. But God, I only did it this one time. I know that one time was enough. You're not going. God is consistent. Both offended him one time. Both were removed from letting their light shine any further. You don't believe me? Go ahead and read through. When did Moses mess up? That one time messed him up. He was unable to go into the promised land. Let's see here. God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, but you have refused to repent, and that's why you'll never see the fulfillment of the promise in your life. Some of y'all looking at me, you don't know my life. You're right. I don't know your life, but I do know the gospel says repent. (laughs) And so you need to be repenting. Some of you saying, well, I haven't done anything wrong. Okay, that's good. That's real good. You haven't done anything wrong. According to who? I become a good judge of me being righteous because I know what I will not do. But yet God has called me to do so much more than what I do not do. As we're going through our devotions, talking about the immorality and the, uh, the idolatry and the, the bloodshed that we have allowed to sneak in. What we have taken for granted, how we can sit down now and watch movies and horror flicks that are offending to God. And we sit back and say it's only entertainment. But then we want to blame our children for repeating what they see on TV when they watch us doing the same thing, watching what we tell them not to watch. And, and, and it wrecked the mess out of me because I, I love action flicks. Man, I, I love it. But then God is getting to me, but yet I don't love that. And, and, and I, what I'm, I'm trying to tell you, tell you this, let the Holy Spirit work on you as it worked on me. But I'm telling you this, that we have become desensitized to what, uh, to what offends God and have accepted it and gave an excuse to it that is only entertainment. But let me, let me get where you get really offensive. You get offensive at rap lyrics when they say it's only entertainment. You're going to get mad at them when they curse and degrade women and they tell you, well, I'm only expressing myself. It's only entertainment. And then you're going to say the same thing to God while you're watching, having sex on the TV and murder on the TV and tell God, well, it's only entertainment. We've left our first love. Remember when you found Christ the first time, how you removed everything that was offensive to him? You, you realize that, Lord, oh, I don't want to upset you anymore. You changed me. You cleansed me. But something has happened down the road that you allowed these things to creep right back into your house. You stop cursing, but every once in a while now you curse. You put the bottle down, but now every once in a while you fill it up and you get drunk on the slide, not telling anybody else. Saying, I, saying I'm not a drunk, but a binge drinker is a drunk. Say, only on special occasions do I get filled. Mm-hmm. We have found excuses to feed our flesh and wonder why things are happening to us. The church leader looks at it, so we can't, we can't, I cannot blame any rapper, any TV show for the murders that are happening pure. I got to say, God, am I a part of the problem? When the church has stopped standing up for Christ, we have bowed down to the enemy. Come here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did, did not the king tell you? That if you don't bow down, what well, God's going to save you from my hand? Who's able to save you from my hand when I throw you into this furnace? Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, yes, he did, Sam. All right, all right. And, and why do you refuse to bow down? Because we believed that in spite of what he thought was able, we knew a God who's able to protect us and defend us in the face 
of our enemy. So if we have to perish, we will, but yet we were not going to bow down to the will of the enemy. I said, that's a good word. Let me bring this to now today. You see kids. You see your peers saying and doing things that are offensive to God, but you're scared to speak up because you're scared what they're going to say to you. God is saying, have I not formed you and made you that I am able to protect you? I, I, I thank God that, 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 that just as the church of Ephesus, I was good in some, I was strong in some areas of my life. You know what I mean? I, I was righteous. Some, every job I had, I let them know who I served. I was strong in that area that I let them know that I need to pray. I need to be off on Wednesday nights and off on Sundays. I, I might be reading my Bible here in this place. I might be talking about my Jesus here in this place. If that's offensive to anybody or anything here, I need to know because then I won't be able to work here. See, I was strong in that area, but that was just public display. But my private devotion with something different. Outward, I can pray with you, talk the Bible with you, but when I get home, my Bible's closed. My prayer closet key is lost. I don't know how to get back up in there. But I do know how to find if the cubs are on. I, 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 do need a, I do find out if there's a boxing match on. I do find out if the Bears are playing. I do know how to get tickets to a Bulls or a Cubs game. But when it comes down that I got some free time, I forget to make time for my God. I left my first love. Many of you, many of you who are married remember your first time when you found your sweetheart. Would nothing stop you when you have free time to get with them, would it? You, you be at work, you be in classes thinking, I can't wait to see them in the hallway or get into that classroom with them or get them a phone call or, or write them a letter or give them a buzz. Now we got these little puppy love, these people, I can't wait to text message my friend or tweet them or send them a Facebook or, or me. I just can't wait. And God is saying, I'm waiting for that too. What, what happened to you? You couldn't wait to spend time with me. You couldn't wait to tell me about your day. You couldn't wait to just let me know how much you love me. What happened to that? Something happened along the way. And the thing is this, how we blame others when things don't go right. You say your wife or your husband's not as attractive as they used to be, or they're not as spry as they used to be, or they're not, or they're not the man that they used to be, or the woman that they used to be. But you can't say that about God. You can't blame God so you're not the same God as you were yesterday. Excuse me? You, you're not as attractive as you were when I first saw you. Excuse me? I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. If you need some help, I am the author and the finisher. And I'm going to put my translation up here. You better watch it because I'm writing your story. And you might have an abrupt ending if you don't listen to me quickly here. Because I can see how God is letting us know I'm right here. Because somebody thank God for his mercy. Because we need to remember where we're falling from. And when we leave him, we, we fall from his power. We fall from his mercy. We fall from his grace. And then you're wondering why everything else starts falling around. Your relationships start falling. Money starts falling away from you. Your health starts falling away from you. Everything that you thought was in good standing starts deteriorating around you. Why is that? Because can I tell you something real quick? Everything in this earth is going to pass away. But yet what the Spirit gives you is eternal. And so imagine that, that when you see what God gives, it's a blessing and it holds on to. So many times in our relationships, our family, we start looking for love in the wrong places. We start looking for things to fill us up and we're always leaving empty. I, I can think about it now that I will, I will go home and, and put a movie in to, to sit back and relax. But you know, after that movie was done, I was still empty. Still looking for more. So you, what you do, you go, you go buy more movies. And I keep on spending all this money on new movies. 
or new movies still feeling empty. And all I want is some time of relaxation, a time of comfort, a time of peace, and that's only in the presence of him. Come on, somebody. I forgot my first love. When I come home after a long day in the office, I, I said, God, I gave you time, right? Somebody missed that. God, I gave you time. Now it's my time. When is it ever my time? Do you not know you were bought with a price? If you don't know, I'm going to tell you, you were bought with a price. And those who know it, tell your neighbor in case they miss it. You were bought with a price. Somebody's thinking, what was that price? The price was the blood of Jesus. Your first love. But yet we have fallen away. He's calling us to repent, to come back, to have a made-up mind. Is that right, Father? We get excited with a made-up mind and tell me how I'm going to go to heaven, but you haven't made up your mind while you're here on earth to live in heaven. Come on, somebody. The message was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near at hand. How was the kingdom of heaven near or at hand? Because the king is here. That went over somebody said, let me help him out. The king is here. It's time for us to realize that, God, I am in your kingdom. And I'm sorry for bringing other things into your kingdom. And we, we act like the elder brother, that we are self-righteous, that we think we're doing things, but we made ourselves an idol. We have been worshiping ourselves, saying, God, look how good I pray. Look how good I teach. I tell others about you. God, look how good I am. God, won't you bless me indeed? And God is saying, you already received your blessing. When they pat you on the back and tell you how good you are, when they say thank you for praying for me, you're getting what you want because that's what you want. You want to look good for them. You don't want to really bring glory to me. Jesus says, lift up my name and I will draw all men unto me. It's time out for you always to put your name first before you do something. Going to say, pastor this or deacon did this. Man, you didn't do anything. That's like the paintbrush telling the painter, look at the painter, the picture I made. Well, you're nothing but an instrument in the master's hand. All the glory belongs to him. You need to repent and turn back to him and say, Lord, here I am. I'm sorry for trying to be using myself, God, but I'm available for you. Because we get caught up doing things like the story I read about in the prodigal God. The story's right there in the prodigal God. The story about a man that had a farm and he uh, had a great care that was made was impressed with his carrots. I'll never ever grow another carrot as good as this. So he takes the carrot to the king and says, King, I'll never in my life grow another carrot as good as this. I give it to you. And the king says, Wow. Wow. And he gave him a quarter of his farm made to farm and harvest. So a dignitary was watching and he's like, Hmm. All he gave him the carrot, he got all that? Man, it's a carrot. So I can give him something greater than that. So he comes back, breeders of horses, said, look at this great steed. There's no steed greater than this in all my stable. This is the best side I have to offer, king. I give this to you. And the king said, thank you. And the man was perplexed and puzzled. Thinking he gave this man, he gave him a carrot, a quarter of his kingdom to, to harvest and land. And all he told me was, thank you. And the king knew what was going on. The king said to him that when the farmer came and gave me the carrot, I received it. But you gave yourself the horse. Many times in our lives we are serving God, but we're not serving, we're serving ourselves. We're trying to be so self-righteous. Say, you see, you see me at church every Sunday, you see me at prayer meeting, you see me at Bible study, you see me doing this or doing that, but God has said you still have not given me. 
You have given me things. You have given me triggers. But I've made you for my glory, and that's all I want. I won't replace you. I won't, I won't re- make you over. I want you as you are. I made you as you are. I want you. Come back to me. That's why Jesus came. He came for us. Think about that. He did not come for your money. He did not come for your house. He did not come for your fake smile. He came for your heart. We read it in Joel, right? Rent your heart, not your clothes. He wants your heart. Will you give it back to him? It's time to repent. We need to repent for allowing things to come into our temple. We have allowed defilement to come into our temple. Let me go back to it. You were bought by a price. And since you were bought by a price, you were made to hold the fullness of God. If you don't catch this, the Bible tells us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? We'll go in and read in Ephesians. Before he gets to do not grieve the Holy Spirit, it talks about all the lewdness, the slander, the verbiage that we speak that grieves the Holy Spirit. When you have talk, pre, uh, prejudging and slander somebody else, and, and, I, and I, I'm guilty too. I've been repentant. So, Lord, forgive me that we will judge other people's ministries. We will judge how they sing. We will, we will judge how the choir sings. We will judge how the pastor preaches. We will judge how a deacon prays. We will judge how your neighbor lives. And God's saying, that's not what I want. You want over to judging everybody else and, and putting yourself first because the me, the idol of ego, has become more, more precious to you to serve than serve me. It's time to break this down. Stop, stop, stop trying to stay up with the Jones and the Jones' children. God does not care about the Jones. He cares about you. He's not concerned how, how well you dress, how well you speak, how big your house is. But he is concerned about your heart. He is concerned about your heart. Will you open up your heart to him? And the thing is, it's, it's hard for us to come before God because we know how wretched we are. But he already knows that. It's like going to your doctor. You, 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 many of us don't like to change our clothes in front of the doctor. But the doctor says, I have to see you in order to help you. Let me say that again. Somebody missed it. I have to see you in order to help you. You can't go in to surgery with your best suit on. If you do, he's going to cut it off you. And saying, you still not clean enough. I got to scrub you. I got to prep you. And then that's not good enough. I got to cut through the layers that you're trying to cover because I'm trying to get to your heart. Anybody here want God to work with your heart? It's time for us to start covering up with layers. Sound like we got it all together. Because I, I want you to grab this. I want you to grab this. Grab this. I'm, I'm wearing one of my favorite suits. But if I were to fall down today... And the, and, the, and the surgeon have to get through my stuff, and he can't unbutton it, rip it off. Rip it off. I don't want anything to hinder from God touching my heart. But too many times in our lives, we'll say, wait a minute, doctor, I'll come back tomorrow. How bad does it have to be? Repent before it's too late. Tomorrow might be too late, but yet his mercy, hallelujah. Some of you have been joining us every night, the divine experiment, my good friend Rob broke down the word, and God gave a great revelation. He says that when he was in his life, as many of us, in a time of, of, of leaving our first love in such a way that we're apostate towards God, that if we truly were in his presence, he had his dream, truly in his presence, how he was trembling because how, un- how, how unholy he was. And truly, we see how the, what the James says, even the demons fear God and tremble. In Revelation, we read how they hide under the rocks, hide us from his glory. And then he dropped this and said, that's when I found out hell was God's grace.
His mercy comes unto them because why? They cannot stand in his presence. Some of y'all looking at me kind of funny. You'll catch this. Jesus came, right? As a light of the world. But the world received them not. Why? Because the darkness hid from him. Because the darkness cannot stand in the presence of the light. And it hits me. That's why he places them in hell, because he saw mercy on You can't stand them out, because all you do is just gnash your teeth, quiver, and shake. The same thing as a dog that's scared of his master. It just trembles and urinates on itself, because it can't move. It can't go. It's scared. It knows it did something wrong. The master's about to beat it. But yet God says, come. I see exactly who you are. God sees exactly how we are. But do you tremble at his word? Do you fear him for who he is? Because even the devil and the enemies who know him fear him, but they don't call them Lord. But they don't call him Lord. But yet we have degraded his temple. Say, Lord, I call you Lord, but yet I'm going to sleep with whoever I want to sleep with. I call you Lord, but I'm going to get drunk as much as I want to get drunk. I call you Lord, but I'm going to lie as much as I want to lie. I call you Lord, I'm going to gossip as much as I want to gossip. I call you Lord, I'm going to talk about my neighbor behind their back as much as I want to. I call you Lord, but I won't read my Bible like I said I would. I call you Lord, I'm going to sing to you, God, but I'm not really singing to you. I'm just singing a song because everybody else is singing. It's time for us to repent. Say, Lord, I give everything to you. I want us to grab this. I want us to grab this because many times, many times, many times we get caught just doing the same old thing over and over again. God can look at that and say, I see you doing many things well, but I have this against you. But I have this against you. My mom and my dad, they see me, and when they see me, they can say, Sam, you're doing these things well. But they also say, but I have this against you. Same thing with God. We look good. We look good, but yet God can say, I still see something against you. Same situation uh, uh, about my, my, my teeth. I'm going to show you another thing about Sam. Sam, Sam had to go to the dentist, and he, I got a, a few, few more cavities. But this is what I always hear every time I go to the dentist. He looks at my teeth and looks at my smile and says, you have such beautiful teeth, a beautiful smile. But my teeth are rotten on the inside. It's amazing how we can look good on the outside. But I can see what's going on in the inside, God says. And while I'm sitting here, he's drilling on me, I'm in pain, and I was thinking to myself, how bad does it have to get? Lord, I'm sorry. I was, God, God just woke me up. So I'm sorry. I'm repenting right now. How bad does it have to get in order to get it right? Many of us want that a heart attack, that stroke to come, because then we got an excuse to turn back. But God is saying, look, sometimes it, that's going to be too late for you. Many of us want that major time. Lord, I got shot by a bullet and I turned my life around. But some of us, we got shot. You're not coming back. Some of y'all missing it. If you got shot, you're not coming back. How bad does it have to get? Tomorrow's not promised to you. Just because you got a raise. Just because you got a special date set aside ahead of you. Tomorrow's not promised to you. But right now, he wants your heart. He's calling for you. He wants you to remember his first love. He's calling you to repent. And then he says, do what you first did. It's time to redo. Go back and clean out the stuff you let back in your house. I was convicted. I, 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 I got to get rid of the matrix. I love the matrix. I got to get rid of it. Because I'd rather watch that more than spend more time with God. I don't know about y'all, but I know what God showed me. I got a whole bunch of Jackie Chan and Jet Lee Felix, man. But if they're just honoring the God, I got to get rid of them. I, I should brag about my collection of my Kung Fu flicks because nobody had what I had. Matter of fact, I had a library in college. I would rent them out to my friends because they didn't have what I had. But God's saying, Sam, I want your heart more than, than you, and, and as much as you want to watch. And then also, too, the TV's off. The TV's off. And I want to turn the TV back on. But God says, Sam, you still desire to watch more TV than spend more time with me. So my TV has to stay off. I don't know about you, but I'm just saying how God's been dealing with me. that I got to make sure, Lord, I give everything to you. I got to go back to where I, where I used to be. 
My mom and my dad, they, they could tell that when Sam was on fire for God, when Sam was a, a, in high school and on fire for God, they could tell Sam walked differently, talked differently. Sam threw away some things, stopped hanging around with certain people that caught him, got him in trouble because Sam knew better. But somewhere along the line, as I matured in Christ, it seemed like I was able to do more things. Abusing God's grace. Where are you? He wants your heart. I'm showing my heart because God's already broken me, so I don't care what you see. Because you can't judge me. You don't have a heaven or a hell to put me in. So you can walk away feeling, feeling talk bad about me, say, I ain't come back to that. Your pastor got problems. That's fine. That's fine. Don't come back. Because your lamp is not bright enough, and I don't need you. I need those who can come back to the Lord with a light shining bright so we can push away the devil together. I don't need no saints that are weak, weak like me. We both will be defeated. But I need somebody that knows that I can call on the power of the Lord. That I can come back from where I used to be and say, Lord, here I am. Take me as I am. And I want to do what you call me to do. Say what you have me to say. Go where you want me to go. Because, Lord, I want that promise. And what's that promise to take of the fruit of the tree of life? And where is that? That sin? Paradise. Not in East Peoria. But this paradise, I don't have to put money down in order to get something back. On this paradise, I don't have to buy me a ticket in order to get a ride. In this paradise, I hear, as he said to the thief on the cross, Truly, very, verily, uh, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. And as I think about that, that's where God wants us in the first place. Because as we're in Revelation, and if you check your Bible, that's the last book. But in the first book, he opens up with a garden. And in this garden, there was no sin. And he made man for his glory. Adam and Eve were walking in the presence of God, having free access to the tree of life. But the enemy snuck right on in. Because when we become too comfortable, when we become so complacent with God, we allow the enemy to sneak right in and take away from us what God has promised. And because of that, God had to kick them out, out of the garden. So much so he put angels in the garden and let them know, don't come back here. No more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And so they had to go. There's no place else to go but to roam this forsaken earth to get pricked by thistles in order for the ground to grow. For the woman to have labor pains in order to bring forth the promise. But when we get to the last two chapters of Revelation, we see again a garden. We see again paradise. Again, we see no more sin. And we see a new creation. Because the old has become new. He remakes over man by giving us a new glorious body that can stand before his presence. And then it says before the throne comes the lake like crystal. And it says the tree of life is on both sides. And the leaves give healing to the nations. Did not God tell Solomon, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, repent, and turn from their wicked ways. 
Seek my face. Then I will hear from heaven and heal the land. By his stripes, we are healed. I want you to catch, I'm not just talking about some physical healing, but there's a healing that happens spiritually in when you know everything's going to be all right. No matter what the world brings, you say, Lord, I trust you in the midst of my storms. He's saying, look here, I have everything that you need. But we are like that elder brother and the prodigal son. Did not the father tell him, everything that I have is yours? But he wasn't satisfied. Lord, I'm sorry for not being satisfied. I'm just thinking for Sam. You can say the same thing. You can talk. Lord, I'm sorry for not being satisfied. Because God, you have given me everything. Everything you had. Everything you had, you gave to me, but I was not satisfied. I looked it for somewhere else. I went out late at night trying to find it. I got up early in the morning trying to find it. I went to the bars trying to find it. I went to the clubs trying to find it. I got in different organizations trying to find it. I missed everything trying to find it, Lord, and you had it all the time right here. Now, Lord, I'm coming back to you. I'm remembering my first love. I'm repenting of my wicked ways to return and to redo what I did, first did. But now, if there's someone here who does not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you want to know him again. Look here, look here. He's calling you just as you are. Nothing you can do can fix you. That's why he died to save you. You can't do it by your might, by your strength, by your will. It cannot be done. But only if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And you can experience that joy of that salvation. Now I'm, gonna say, I'm saying this, and don't get caught up that you might be doing a baffling, and weeping, and wailing. The joy of salvation that comes from Christ is a peace that transcends all understanding. It means that you have the joy of Christ. It means somebody tells you at your job, you're fired. But you can put a smile on your face thinking how the Lord will provide. When you have the joy of the Lord, you can go to the doctor. The doctor will tell you that your body is dying. But you can say, yet if I die in Christ, yet I shall live. See, that's the joy we have by being with our first love. Just think about it like this. Has anybody, your child, whenever they fell down or hurt themselves and they cried? And they might have a blood, they might have a scraped knee, but they don't want a Band-Aid. They don't want a first-aid spray. All they want you is just to hold them. You holding them does not remove the blood. You holding them does not remove the pain. But you hold them gives them a peace of a hope of everything's going to be all right because I'm safe. I'm safe in your arms. Jesus is letting you know, just come to me. And you'll be safe. Safe in my arms. You tried it on your own long enough, but just come back to me and be safe. Be safe in my arms. Don't go back to what's destroying you and killing you. But just come back who gives life and life more abundantly. Don't go back to the enemy who's trying to destroy you and kill you, but come back to the one. Who's promised you life and life everlasting? Bishop Joe Johnson gave a great story about his mom, how his mom would love her, ki- love her kids, and that she could be in a most beautiful white dress, but if the children were muddy and bleeding, she would get dirty to bring them in, saying that I can wash my clothes and I can wipe off the blood, but I can't replace you. That's what God is telling us. I can wash off the mud. <laughs> I can wash away the bruises and the pain. But I can't replace you. Because I made you for my glory. I died to redeem you. I'm calling you back for a great and an awesome purpose. Will you come back? 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 If your head bowed, your eyes closed, Father, right now. Lord, we stand, Lord, repenting, God, for leaving our first love, Almighty God.
Father, we're sorry for allowing other things to grab our attention more than you. We're sorry, Lord, that we'd rather watch a TV more than spend time with you, God. Lord, we'd rather read a novel or another kind of book than read your word, Almighty God. And we'd rather listen to the radio or music than listen to you speak to our hearts, Almighty God. Lord, we're sorry for allowing bloodshed and sex to become entertainment to us, God, which is offensive to you, God. We're sorry for allowing the veil, the woo of the enemy to cover us, Almighty God, and that we've turned the blind out, but no more, Almighty God. We will stand for your holiness, O oh God. For you are holy, and you call us to be holy, God. Oh Lord, we're sorry, God, for not standing up for your holiness and your righteousness, publicly and privately, God. Lord, we should redeem our time because all the time belongs to you, God. Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. We're sorry for saying that this is my time, that I have leisure time when all time belongs to you, God. For, Lord, let us truly mean that one day with you, God, is better than a thousand elsewhere, God. Lord, let it truly be the one thing we desire to dwell in your tabernacle, to be in your presence, almighty God. That we will stop doing the things that hinders you, that blocks you, that grieves your spirit, but, Father, being truly submissive and obedient to your will, just as Christ was humble even to death on the cross, God. Lord, we need to crucify our flesh. Lord, we need to die daily so we can live for you. Father, we come confessing and repenting, turning away from our wicked ways, God, seeing healing to come to us, to come to our church, to come to our community, God. Well, Lord, when we turn back to you and we let your light shine, darkness has to flee. Lord, we draw nigh to you or draw nigh to us. God, we stand and resist the devil. He has to flee. So if I pray our protection over this assembly right here, God, that all that draw nigh to here, God, that we won't see murderers and, and all those kind of the enemy attacking this flock right here, God, because we're coming back to you, God. Lord, you say, will you not heal the land? Lord, we ask for your healing. We're turning from our wicked ways, God. Lord, we're sorry for making it something else, God. We're sorry for singing songs to one another, not to you, God. We're sorry for praying for somebody else to hear, not praying to you, God. We're sorry for telling somebody else about you, God, but we haven't lived for you, God. We turn back to you, God. For this is your church. We're sorry for calling it our church. For you built your church, God. We're sorry, Lord, that we said it's our ministry, it's your ministry, God. Lord, we have nothing. We are nothing without you. So, Lord, please have your way. Father, someone here does not know you. I say, Lord, and Savior, God, I pray they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is their Lord. And, God, that they accept you as their Lord and that you will rule their lives, that they will move whatever is hindering them from following you from your presence so that you can dwell with them and they dwell with you, God. Lord, I pray for every saint here that we truly remove what's hindering us from drawing closer to you, God. That the Holy Spirit really works within us, God. That your word will pierce us in such a way, God, that will separate everything that's not of you, God. Oh, move, Holy Spirit, in this place. Amen. 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 May we stand. May we stand.